Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Glory to his holy name. You know, when I was uh, coming up here today, my sister-in-law was driving, I thought, you know what? This is a good time right now to do the alphabet prayer. And so I did it all to myself. And when I came in, I felt his presence. I felt his presence when I came up to the platform. I feel his presence right now. 24 ways to tell Jesus you love him. Isn't that marvelous? Let's go ahead and worship him right now, and let's go ahead and bring him in as we praise his holy name. Oh, Jesus, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We're thankful that you are here with us. You're in the songs today. You're in the... the um, sermon today. You're in everybody that is going to speak. Oh Lord, you are here. May you prepare our hearts to be ready to receive you and everything that you have for us. For it's in your holy name that we pray. In Jesus' name. Well, if you don't know anything about the pulse, let me tell you. You have a pastor that uh, is led of God is led of the Holy Spirit. Even when he doesn't know what Jesus wants him to do or he hasn't quite figured out the leading, guess what? He still plows through and, said, and says yes and amen. So we had the Connect group at our home this last Friday night. John Fowler was leading it. Jesus spoke to his heart, and he asked John, my husband, to get up and say the alphabet. John Fowler didn't know what the alphabet prayer was. He hadn't heard uh, our description of what the alphabet prayer was. He had not heard 24 ways to say uh, praise the Lord using descriptive words that go through every letter of the alphabet. He hadn't heard that. Uh, and so he just went by faith and said, okay, Lord, I'm hanging on to you. My husband went over there to where John was and started reciting the alphabet prayer. And if you recall from last week, uh, the, uh, some of the spiritual leaders in our church, in fact, I would say probably right there under John or, or close by, L.A. and his wife, Linda, they said it's different each and every time you say it. So my husband gets up there. He recites off the alphabet prayer, and we were all stirred. We were encouraged. We were helped. We were lifted up. Isn't that what we're supposed to be anyway when Jesus is in the room? And so Jesus was at, at, in the house uh, on Friday night uh, when, we, uh, when we met for our, uh, our meeting. And so if our pumps weren't primed, they were primed after uh, my husband finished reciting it. Again, if you did not listen because you were tied up in this and that and so on and so forth, 
the alphabet prayer goes through each and every letter of the alphabet, describing who our Lord and Savior is. Jesus, I adore you. You are beautiful. Lord, you capture my heart. You are so divine. Oh, people, when we say that whole prayer, it lifts our hearts. And, you know, when you think about the alphabet, you learn it when you're in preschool. Right? You learn it when you're in preschool. Because why? It's the foundation for everything that we do. It's our foundation in reading, blending vowels, learning our vowels, all the different things. Reading mathematic problems, story problems, things of that nature. So the first thing that they want you to learn is the alphabet. And so one of the first things that we learn as a Christian is to praise him first. Oh, oh, people, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. We are told when we pray to enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Is that not what the alphabet prayer does for us? And so that is in review of what we talked about last week. And I'm thankful that we have a man of God here uh, leading our services. Why? Because he's being led of God. This is what we do. That is what we're going to do next. The Pulse Church is a wonderful place to go to church. If you don't have a church to go to, I highly recommend the Pulse. Why? Because Jesus has free reign here to do uh, and to work in whatever way he wants to work. People are, get healed as God leads. People are helped. If you have a prayer language, you may speak it. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is welcome in this church. The Bible is welcome in this church. So I'm thankful today. I'm grateful. I love Jesus. How about you? Let's go ahead and uh, pray again. This time, if you don't know Jesus, he loves you. He knew you before the foundation of the earth. He created you in your mother's womb. He put gifts within you. Some gifts we don't even know about until as we go along in life, if we're faithful. But the hurts that you've had, he's the one that can heal you. He cares for your soul. You need to know him. You need to know him. Kids, it's going to be over one day soon. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to go and worship him up there? Be with your loved ones that have made it before you. Oh, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that if there are those listening, that if they don't know you, Jesus, that they would open their heart, open their spirit, open their soul, and invite you in.
Oh, Lord, you can do it. He's, he's done it for all of us here at this church. You can do it for everyone out there listening. Cleanse us. Use us. Help us, Jesus, to be all you want us to be, Lord, for we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> that was awesome. That was wonderful, honey. <clears throat> Everything... Uh, begins with praise, everything, and everything ends with praise. As one minister said about the Lord's Prayer, it's like a sandwich prayer. You begin with praise, you end with praise. And if we could really get a revelation of how important praise is, James Ashworth, our mentor, he's in heaven, taught us about the importance of praise. And I was listening to Dr. Stanley, they're playing some of his, his tapes of his ministry He's going on to be with the Lord. I heard him say just yesterday, basically the same thing that James Ashworth was teaching us. That is, whenever you praise him and significantly praise him, adequately praise him, I mean spend time praising him. As James Ashworth would say, at least 20 minutes or someone else told us that. Uh, Dr. Stanley said, after a while, it's like, well, I don't see anything wrong. Everything's, I think everything's going great <laughs> because you spend an adequate amount of time in praise. Praise bypasses your logic and the understanding of things as far as the world goes. And what God wants us to do is praise him by faith because the devil tricks you into saying, well, I don't feel like it today. I'm not sure about this and that. And we pull back. See, praise... Praise encompasses everything you could ever want to ask God. Praise encompasses all your prayer requests. Praise encompasses your desires. Praise encompasses your needs. When you praise him, he said he inhabits the praises of his people. And as I praise the Lord, I feel like I'm almost in a bubble with just me and he, me and him together. So if we get pressed to praise him, Really praise Him. Spend time in praise. Don't worry about what you feel or think. I promise you, you're going to start to feel a lift. Because what praise does, it takes off. It's not about us. It's about Him. Last week, we're, we're on part nine on there's coming a shaking. And we finished up with talking a little bit about how Jesus uh, threw people out of the temple. And we talked about how we have a temple, that we are his temple. And what shape is our temple in? Is it clean? Are we misusing it for other things other than what God wants us to? So we spoke about that a little bit. And Jesus did this twice. We made, I made the comment uh, last week, be careful not to sit at a table Jesus is about to overturn. Find yourself as close as you can in the center of God's will. What does that mean to be in the center of his will? Well, that's a pretty profound thought, isn't it? It's simply one day at a time, Jesus, help me. It's given him permission to have his way in our life. So that's how we finished last week. Sometimes, sometimes a shaking can confirm we are moving in the right direction. Now, we're talking about different kinds of shakings here. 
But I also mentioned I'll had, I'd have some little subtitles in there as well because it's really kind of limitless, the number of categories you could create for types of shaking. But maybe this is one way we haven't thought about it. Sometimes, now I hope you hear this, sometimes when you're going through the shaking, the devil tells you, see, you've been disobedient. See, you're out of order. You're not in God's will. Nana, nana, boo, boo. You know, you know how he works. But sometimes a shaking is telling us you're right on target. So when things come at you, sometimes it's telling us that God is moving in our life and it's stirring up the devil. It really upsets him. And sometimes we can feel the shaking that the devil's going through through our obedience. Don't you love to obey God and find out that because you did, someone got victory or a prayer was answered or someone got a deeper understanding of God's will for their life because you did something in obedience? That's a shaking. That's a good shaking. Because what you're doing is you're helping other people to step into their callings through your obedience. And sometimes the devil can really come after you and make your day as miserable as possible. He'll do, he'll do little things. In my case, it might be a number of things, like stubbing my toe or dropping something or knocking something over. It could be different things. And if we immediately take charge of that moment that we're in, and it's rough sometimes. And it's like, have you ever felt like your day just isn't starting right? You can just tell, and you, want, you almost want to say, well, I can see what my day is going to be like. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Well, whenever things happen and you feel that way, take note of that because the devil would love to throw you off target. He would love for you to lose your joy, your victory, and your peace because if he can throw you off, then the rest of the day, sometimes we carry around an attitude. Sometimes we are in a situation where we don't shake it off because we don't know how. We really don't recognize some of the shakings, and that's what this, this topic is all about. I want you to realize that there are shakings in your life, and sometimes that shaking can confirm that you're in God's will. The devil doesn't like it. So I want to make that note there real quick. Our shaking can either be the result of, A, our disobedience. Now, this is part of that 70% of life's heartaches you can avoid by being obedient. When we're disobedient, it's a shaking in our life, and it causes us sometimes to miss things or at least not be on time for things when God's trying to work with us. So, A, shakings can be the result of our disobedience, B, an opportunity to respond and resist temptation, See, shakings can give you a warning. You know, right now in Iceland, they're getting ready for what appears to be an astronomical earthquake. I mean, the ground's cracking everywhere. I mean, it's just, they don't know, they don't know where it's going to come up, do they, Connie? They don't even know where it's going to come next. They have some ideas, they're trying to evacuate people from things, but they don't know. So sometimes shakings are the result of something sending us a message. The earth is groaning. We know that the Bible says if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. 
I believe the earth responds to the condition of the soul of man. I believe that. And I believe that if we, when Jesus was crucified, the earth cracked open. The veil ran in two. There were no one in and cut it. it. God did it. And so, whenever you see things going on around you, check to make sure that it's not through disobedience, because you can cut that off. You can take charge of that, and that's encouraging to me. And if it is an opportunity to respond to resist temptation, take note. There's a, there's a story about a man that was on in a house, and it was flooding. So he finally ended up on the roof, and that's where he was. He kept praying, God, send me help. God, help me, help me. Later on, a boat came by and offered to give him a ride. And he said, uh, no, I'm fine, thank you. Then a helicopter came, flew over his head to drop a rope to see if he needed help. He said, no, I'm fine. And then a third opportunity came where someone brought help, and he said, no, thank you. Well, he died. He drowned. And when he got to heaven, he asked God, he said, why did you not answer my prayer? Why did you not help me? He said, well, I sent you a boat, I sent you a helicopter, and I sent you another vehicle. See, God is listening to you. And when you pray, God is hearing you. And so what God wants us to do is be aware of what's going on around us. Sometimes we're kind of clueless. <laughs> you, know, you know, there was different times that Jesus says, how long, and I'll talk about this a little bit, how long do I need to be with you? How long do you hear? You kind of wonder with us sometimes that we might be saying the same thing, trying to get our attention, letting us know that you need to, you need to lean on me. You need to call on me. You need to let me help you. Don't try to figure it out yourself and do it in the flesh. Let God do it because God is there for all of us. And whatever's shaking you're going through, God is there. Remember this. God is there no matter what shaking you're going through. God is there. And if you're, especially if you're a believer, God hears you when you pray. And it's encouraging to know that. But sometimes it's in praise, taking time just to praise Him that we get our focus and we give Him an opportunity. See, when you're praising God, it's kind of hard to get in trouble. So one good thing about praise and worship and thanksgiving is that it allows us to get our focus off of us on Him and realize that He can help you if you let Him. Why does He say, enter my gates with thanksgiving, my courts with praise? See, you're, you're working your way into His presence. If he inhabits the praise of his people, then he's telling you that, okay, start up with thanksgiving, because I've made this comment before. It's kind of hard to praise him if you're not thankful. So be thankful. Be grateful in every area of your life. All good things come from him. So if you have anything positive happen in your life, give him the credit for it. Praise him for it. And folks, this wonderful prayer of the alphabet prayer or ABC prayer, is, it's really a wonderful thing because some people say, well, I don't know what to pray. I, I don't know what to say. Well, start like he encouraged you to do with praise. Courts, thanksgiving with courts with praise. 
thanksgiving and, and praise. And use the alphabet. To, every time you pray like that, it's going to be different. It's wonderful. You know, there's a lot of things to say about God to start with A. He abides with us. He's awesome. <laughs> and it just goes on and on. And as you go through it, before you know it, you've now forced you, yourself, your mind and body, to settle down and focus on Him. Because that's what we do. And once we start focusing on Him and praise and thanksgiving, then now we're in a position, we've talked about this before, about being in a sitting, sitting position, to now receive. Because we're, face it, we're all about receiving. <laughs> you know, we're all about getting. We're all about being blessed. Just go ahead, bless me, you know. We're all about that. But in order to be in a position to receive these things from God, we need to be in a position of gratitude and thanksgiving. Have you ever met anybody that was not very thankful or hardly ever said thank you about anything you did? It's troubling, isn't it? And it's unsettling. We need to become grateful people. We say, well, I don't know of anything God's done. I, I don't see anything in my life. This is a mess. That's a mess. Well, first of all, a lot of it's our own shaking, our own doing, our own decision making. But if we finally just, folks, I'm telling you, it works. My wife can tell you, my sister, Paul, others, they'll tell you, if you just spend time in praise and worship, take your worst situation. Take your worst shaking you're going through. And discipline yourself to find a place alone. Now, it's good when you praise the Lord, especially in praise, it's good to do it out loud where you can hear your voice. There's something powerful about hearing your own voice. Because you know what happens? The more you do it, the more you're convinced He's worthy. The more you're convinced He's my God. He's faithful. That's what this does. When you praise the Lord and you hear your voice, find a room where you're alone or in a car or whatever, and start praising Him. And don't, don't do it just for a few seconds or a half a minute or so. If you've never done it, sit down, find a place where you can hear your voice walking, whatever it is, and start praising Him. The alphabet prayer, whatever comes out of your mouth, start praising Him. If you have a prayer language, use that. It's very important. After a while, I guarantee you, you're going to have the same testimony that we do. And that is, when I praise Him adequately, enough time with Him, I will start to get some help. Now, here's the interesting thing. You may not, have, you may not get to an answer to a situation while you're doing that. You may not know what to do next in your situation. You may not know how to stop your situation, whatever attack it might be, but somehow through praise, we know we have more confidence when we're done that God is in control and God has this. So what do you exchange for praise? Peace, joy, rest, confidence in Him that He really is in charge. It's interesting how praise gives us more confidence that He hears us. Because inside we know that He inhabits our praises. Somehow we know inside that this pleases Him. Somehow 
we become aware that we have just entered into a presence that we may have never experienced before. And therefore, there's a certain amount of confidence that whatever I'm going through, God's going to help me. I'm going to be all right. It's a season. So that's important to keep in mind. And of course, see, shaking can be a prodding um, to live an extraordinary life for God, not for us anymore. It's for Him. Without a shaking, the only final shaking, of course, is judgment. We're going to talk about that. So whenever you, you get a shaking that encourages you, some people call it breaking. Like, I'm just finally broken. And because of that breaking, they turn their life around. See, folks, much of our struggle we have in life, not all, but much of it is because we lack wisdom, we lack discipline, and we lack compassion. Praise gives you all of those. Praise, it's like, it's like your senses are, also, are on alert all of a sudden. All of a sudden, you're just kind of more aware of God's presence. You're just more aware of Him being near you when you're told that your whole life, but now you're experiencing it. So you can just get so much from teaching. In fact, let me put some, make a little sidebar here about teaching. You can believe what I teach you right here. You can walk away saying, I believe what John said. But it's another thing for you to know in your heart that it's truth. See, we carry around a lot of knowledge. And we can talk about the Bible. We can talk about the stories of the Bible and, the, and parables and what they mean and God's promises. We can go through. We can have a, a working knowledge of some wonderful things and believe them. But the test comes when we are able to put them into practice. One way you'll know that you can, you're, you're, you're putting them into practice is your immediate response is praise. See, praise should be our first response to, oh, I hope we get this, should be our first response to any situation we're in. Anybody confirm that? Anybody had that experience? Praise should come out of you under every circumstance. I don't care what it is. Someone's mistreated you. You lost your job. You, you got a doctorate report. Praise should always be the first thing that comes out of our mouth because this puts all your shakings in proper perspective. Because sometimes we don't have a very good perspective on things. We have things happen and we look at it this way. God helps us or someone gives us a word. Now our perspective changes because we're gaining more knowledge. But what do you do with the knowledge? Praise. See, praise will bring out every good thing. He says all good things come from Him, but it doesn't mean that we're going to experience all good things. We have to be in a position to receive. See, that's what faith does. Faith does not move God. I've said this before. Faith moves mountains. God has already done His part. There's nothing you'll ask God for that he has not already prepared and is aware of and provided for. Not a single thing in your life. But faith is where we go out and take it. That's the definition of faith. Faith 
takes that which God has already done. Therefore, faith doesn't move God. You cannot faith God into doing anything. You can't beg God. You, one minister says, people come to me and they give me this long story about what they're going through, hoping that I will have compassion to pray for them. Do you see our perspective? Our perspective on pray, praying? God wants our faith to take that which he's already provided for. One way you develop your faith, again, is through praise. Praise will equip you. Praise will prepare you, and praise will accomplish that which you went to the Lord first. You start out with praise. You start out with thanksgiving. And after a while, you know what happens? It becomes more automatic. Praise becomes more automatic coming out of our mouth. Have you ever said something like praise the Lord and didn't know you were going to say it and you caught yourself after you said it? It's just like people that use foul language. If you're met people that almost every other word is a foul language, that's a habit. That's a habit. Praise can be a habit. And it's all right. You're not a hypocrite when you do that. Hypocrisy is pretending to be something you don't want to be. Let me say it again. Hypocrisy is pretending to be something you do not want to be. I want to be like him. I want to act like him. I don't want to fail him one second of my day. So I project my faith, my praise, and my thanksgiving until I get it. And once I get it, now I can share it. You can't share anything you have not experienced yourself. You can try. You can try to get in there with him, which is wonderful. You could try to get in there with people what they're going through, but really, those that have gone through something, they're the ones that can get right in there where they're at. So if you walk with God and you experience those trials and shakings in your life, and you find yourself where you are now actually speaking from testimony, you have a real testimony, I promise you, someone that has been healed of a certain disease is instantly sensitive to other people with that same disease that they're going through. Instantly. They, they can equate. They can, they can identify the suffering. They can identify the fear that comes on you. They are right there with you. Right with you. If I meet someone that, is, that has something that I've already been healed of, I am right there with them. See, that's empathy. That's compassion. But until you get there, Thank Him. Get used to thanking Him and praising Him for every good thing. Don't overanalyze. Don't overcritique it. <clears throat> so when we want to be all God wants us to be, then we need to be in a position where we are available for Him to do that change. Folks, we can go through our life. We can go to church. We can do all kinds of things. And we can walk through this life and go through the motions. Folks, you and I know what to say to our pastor to impress him. We know how to hide things so he doesn't know what we're really like. I remember Pastor Wright telling a story about <clears throat> going to a house to, to visit. There's a visitation of a family in his church. <clears throat> and 
he heard someone look through the window and say, it's Pastor Wright. And all of a sudden, scurrying takes place. I mean, they're scurrying all over. He talks about this. And they're scurrying and they're cleaning up and this and that. And they, he said, they open, they're, oh, Pastor Wright, come on in. And he says down there talking. And she wasn't impressed, the pastor. She says, says to her son, son, go get mom's favorite book. So he goes and he brings her a Spiegel catalog. <laughs> Trying to impress the pastor. Trying to impress the people in the church, folks. We got to get past that. You got to be vulnerable. I don't mean you, you got to use wisdom on who you share things with. Whether it be a dream or a struggle or whatever it is, you need to, you need to have wisdom. You need to have wisdom. And all you have to do is ask. He said he'll give it to you. So, <clears throat> but we need to get past the phony baloney plastic banana. We got to get past it. We got to get past that. If we want to get anywhere with God, fooling people is not going to get you there. You may hold a high position. You may get accolades for things they think you are. And you can fool a lot of people. <clears throat> but when we stand before God, everything's stripped down. You know, we come in this world in a fetal position, and most of us leave this world in a fetal position. You take nothing with you, nothing you've accomplished, nothing you've gained, accolades, trophies, plaques, none. You stand before God the way you truly lived your life. And I want to encourage people right now, wherever you're at, <clears throat> You're going to have to come to that place where you finally get tired of the facade and you go to someone that you have confidence in that walks with God to confide in to help minister to you and help you to get right on the right track. It's not enough to go to church. <clears throat> it's not enough to be a good moral person. We need all that. All of that and more. But it's not enough. And one time or another... You're going to experience a shaking in your life. Whether you cause it or someone else caused it, and you had to be close to them so you're, because you're hurt, because they're shaking, it hurts you, and that creates a shaking in your life. Whatever the reason, you're going to experience shakings in your life. There is one shaking that you have full control over the final shaking. When God comes and shakes everything, right, Paul, the very foundations, God will shake it all. He said, even the heavens will be shaken. When Jesus comes, there's going to be a shaking where people will cry out for the rocks to fall on them. But you and I, right now, have an opportunity to avoid that shaking. That is the only shaking in life that you are guaranteed to avoid if you want to be faithful. If you want to walk with God, get rid of the facade, ask God to take you deeper. God will, God will always answer a prayer, not only his promises, he will always answer a prayer that requires you to deny yourself. That's why people say, don't ever pray for patience, you know, because then all these things happen, right? We don't want to go through that. Well, that's understandable. But besides his promises, the one prayer that he always hears and answers, if you're sincere, is, Lord, make me more like you. Help me to deny myself. Help me to take up my cross. Help me to put others before myself. Help me to love my neighbors myself. And it goes on and on. When you start praying those kind of prayers, look out. God is going to help you. You will have to humble yourself to do that. 
but you can also encourage yourself, as Paul did. So I encourage you, every one of you, that whatever you're going through in life, you can prepare for a final shaking that will not touch you. Amen? So, in talking about shakings, another one is a shaking prepared by the enemy to test our resolve. Man, you've heard pastors say, this is only a test, right? You've heard, heard, I've heard Pastor Wright talk about things like that. This is only a test because you and I are going to go through situations where we have not necessarily done anything wrong at all. In fact, you say, why did this happen to me? I've done this right. I prayed this morning. I fasted last week. I mean, you go through all the things, you know, why is this happening to me? Because the devil is seeing just exactly what you're made of. He, he did it with Job. God told him you can't take his life. Sometimes people say, God, do me a favor. Please don't tell the devil, have you considered my servant John? <laughs> have you considered my servant Sandy? You know, Kathy, whatever. If you, if you say, God, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't put that on me. But God said, have you considered my servant Job? He's like, really, Lord? You go, you go set him up here. But Job is one of the most profound stories in the whole Bible. I like one pastor said how the devil took everything from him, right? He said, but he left his wife. <laughs> well, of course, we all know she told him, curse God and die, you know. <laughs> and, the, and the guy said, the devil knew what he was doing <laughs> when he didn't take the wife. He left, left her to finish his work. But Job was faithful. He was faithful. Was he tested? Of course he was tested. We're human. When it comes right down to it, we are human. Job was human, and he got tested, and he got tried. Now, upstairs, I am going to switch my scriptures around a little bit, and I apologize. I'm going to go ahead and go into... Um, I'm going to talk about, and I don't think I had this written down there. I'm going to talk about the uh, 27th to 28th chapter of Acts a little bit. Now, I'm going to paraphrase this. You guys want to put that up there. But just let everyone know where I'm going to. The 27th to 28th chapter of Acts. This one, when Paul was on a ship headed to Rome. They, were hit by, they got hit by a sandbar. And ran aground and crashed onto the island of Malta. There he and his crew were met with kindness by the islanders there. Now I thought that was quite interesting. The islanders had evidently were not corrupt. If you ever met people from another country, you think, boy, they're just they're very humble people. There are certain cultures that the people are just naturally very humble. It's just a wonderful thing. And this is what they had come across here. And here they were in the rain and the cold, and they built them a fire. They took care of them. Acts, now I'm going to go to Acts 28 here, guys. Acts 28, verses 3 through 6. Acts 28, verses 3 through 6. I'm going to speak from the NIV today. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it in the fire, he was helping out a viper driven out by the heat, attached itself to the hand, to his hand. When the, when the islanders saw this, 
he shook it off. And when he shook it off, they said, quote, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. Now, I will tell you right now, no matter what culture you go into in this world, they have some form of higher power that they acknowledge. Whether it be a goddess here, or whether it be um, some rock god. I mean, there, there are all kinds. There's hundreds and hundreds of made-up gods out there. It's because we are all drawn to something. We all know there's something greater than us. Every person. If you're in those people that claim to be atheists, how mad they get that you believe in God. If you're wondering to yourself, if they don't believe there's a God, why do they care? It's because deep inside, even an atheist knows there's something greater than himself. St. Francis of, the, of Assisi said, within every man and woman is a God-shaped vacuum, and nothing else can please it. We're born. We are created by our God. He has a plan for your life. You're created in His image. Doesn't it make sense that deep down inside, we all know there's something greater than us? But in order to believe in Jesus, you've got to follow his teachings. And this is their way around it many times. So here we are. We are such a fickle people. So here the islands are, islanders are. They see that a snake attached himself to Paul. Therefore, they judged him as being a murderer because God did not let him get away. He survived the shipwreck, but God got him there. God caught up with him. See, that's the way we think a lot. Unfortunately, that's the way we look at God, is just constantly judging. I know people right now that will not serve God because they think he is unjust. They think it is wrong for him to allow us to go to hell simply because we refuse to worship him. And we could spend a lot of time right here breaking this down on just how wonderful our God is. For example, he created Adam and Eve because they sinned. We were all after that born in sin. How would you like that waiting on you when you go to heaven for Adam? To know that all creation is born in sin because of you, Adam. You know, there's not going to be a lineup where you go by and pick out which one's really Adam. There's only one. There was only one, him and his wife. So we are born in sin. So what did God do? He sent his only son, which I mean, I think it means he sent his very best to die for you so that you would not be responsible for what Adam did. And then he said, I'm going to take care of your sickness and diseases while I'm at it. That's how wonderful he is. And he says, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's going to knock your eyes out. See, that's the God we serve. But the world sees him as a different God. The bottom line is we don't want to be under someone else. There's a pride about us. We want to be in charge of everything. And there's some people that that's how they had to live their life. 
So the snake bit him. He shook it off. Then it says, uh, after that, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. That's what they think God was judging him. See, they didn't have a, they had a perverted view of God. Because if you know anything about walking with God, every time God corrects you, he encourages you. He gives you hope. As I said maybe once before, anytime God gives you choices, you have hope. So to, just to finish up this one point right here, to make my point about the, the tribes people. But after waiting a while, a long time, and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. <clears throat> Boy, is that just like, are we fickle or what? I mean, is that just not depict the way we are? Folks, when you serve a false god, you live on shaky ground. I mean, you blow with the wind. If you're met people whose emotions just blow with the wind, <clears throat> we need to be well-grounded. We need to be grounded on the truth of our, our Lord and Savior because He will give you confidence in Him. You don't have to blow with the wind. You don't have to constantly change your theology. And that's what they did. <clears throat> First, they assumed He was a murderer. Well, He didn't die. He must be a God. That's quite a change, folks, from murderer to God. See, a lot of us, we don't have a middle ground. It's either up or down, right or wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. You just do what I tell you to do. That's the way we are. We're fickle. We don't need to be fickle. So they decided there that he was now a god, which he wasn't. <clears throat> but his testimony, your testimony will show up everywhere you go. Paul's walk, now hear me, Paul's walk, his faithfulness, his obedience to Christ meant that everywhere he went, his actions were a testimony. Our actions need to be a testimony everywhere we go. We don't leave God at home. We don't leave him at the church house. We don't take him out whenever we want him or need something. How many times do you pray without wanting something? How many times do we pray? Think about it. How many times do we pray when we don't ask for something? We just want to love him. That's praise. That's praise. That's thanksgiving. And that's where God wants to get us to. So that like Paul, everything we do leaves a testimony. I have a little expression I use. God leaves his DNA on everything he touches. And he does it through you. You carry his DNA. And everywhere you go, you share Christ with everybody if we're faithful. Amen. Jesus, we praise you. I want to thank you, Father, for this time together. And I pray that if nothing else, through Cynthia's sharing and my following up, that we begin to spend more time in praise and thanksgiving. If that's all we accomplish today, Father, that someone here or listening live or on delay finds themselves spending more time in praise and worship than accomplished, mission accomplished. Because if we will do that, Lord, I know by testimony as well as people here that you move mountains, you change things in our lives because we take time to praise you. 
You're so worthy. And we need to trust you with everything. As it says, not to lean to our own understanding. And I trust that everyone, Father, listening today has found hope, has found encouragement and a, and a way of escape through praise and worship and how through our walk we can avoid that final shaking. All the shakings in our life, Father, prepare us if we respond with yes and amen to you and praise and thanksgiving. Every shaking prepares us for that final day where we do not have to be a part of that shaking. Oh, Father, help us to hear this. We praise you, we bless you, and we lift your name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Please hit like and share. We appreciate that very much if you do that. And join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as we go into part 10 as we get closer to wrapping up and getting into that final judgment. Thank you so much.